The wait is over. After years of wanting, wishing, and hoping for the return of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Disney Plus gave fans the series that they've been looking for. Or did they? On this episode of Mad Unreal, we explore the first two parts of the six-part Kenobi series and give mad thoughts on everything from a Jawa's next-level shadiness to a Jedi's realization that his greatest failure is not only haunting him, it's hunting him as well. But first, we're going to spend a little time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and ask an important question. With the recent news that Marvel Studios is developing a new Daredevil streaming series, we wonder... Will the MCU ever produce a truly grounded feature film? This is Mad Unreal, episode 47. Let's go. Mad Unreal. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. And this is effectively the Kenobi show. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the long-awaited Disney Plus uh, episodic series has uh, debuted. Uh, Isaac and I have both watched episodes one and two. Uh, this episode will be spoiler heavy. Uh, so if you have not seen it, hit the pause button, hit the play button on Disney Plus. We'll see you back here in about mm, 70, 75 minutes. <laughs> That's the first time we've ever done a, a appropriate spoiler warning before we actually got into the spoilers. So. Yeah, I actually had it in my notes, like right at the top. Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you prepared. Spoiler Big warning. Real moment. Uh, but before we dive into the adventures, uh, the post-Republic loss of Obi-Wan Kenobi's life, Isaac has seen Doctor Strange and... What is it? The it's Madness and, of you know, the Multiverse? Yeah, I, the I multiverse thought it was and the multi- it, it sounds like... It, it almost feels like it should be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but for some reason, it's just Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And I know you haven't seen it, so that's not really what we're about to go into. I will tell you, though, and this is not a spoiler, but I think the title is a little bit misleading. I don't know how much madness there is in this multiverse, um, but it is, you know, the whole movie is just really... Um, and I'm not even going to give my review. I'm going to wait for you to see it. And then we can, you know, we can talk mm-hmm. about, you know, how we each felt about it. But the movie is very, very um, fantastical. You know, it's very, very over. I mean, it's just like from, you know, from the first 30 seconds, you know, literally mm-hmm. from the first, first 30 seconds of the movie all the way through. It's just very over the top. It's the opposite of grounded, which. OK. Um, and that's not a criticism. That's just, yeah. a, you know, kind of a. Uh, just kind of a observation of what the movie is, you know, how the movie feels in tone. Um, but that brought to mind a question, man, because at the same time last week, I think it was the week before news kind of leaked. Um, I don't even think it's been officially confirmed yet by the MCU, but it's pretty much um, uh, known at this point that they are Marvel studios is going to, you know, bring back the daredevil streaming series. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I sh- let me rephrase that. They're bringing back Daredevil. They've already in- introduced him into the MCU in Spider-Man um, No Way Home. Um, right. One of the greatest scenes ever in the MCU period over the last, you know, 29 <laughs> films, in my opinion. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so they brought Charlie Cox back in that, that scene in, in No Way Home. So we already know he's a part of the MCU. Um, but now they have kind of, you know, the news leak that they are going to, quote unquote, reboot his streaming series Mm -hmm. so 
kind of the question I wanted to, before we get into the whole Kenobi thing, the first topic I really wanted to jump into and kind of get your thoughts on was that with the combination of those two things happening for me last week, you know, seeing um, Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness and then news about this, this daredevil streaming series mm-hmm. in conjunction with still being in kind of the afterglow of the Batman film. Um, just this thought came to my mind. I'm like, wow, you know, daredevil, especially if you look at the character um, from the comics, the seven, you know, late seventies through the eighties um, comics, especially the, obviously the Frank Miller run um, Frank Miller, Bill Sienkiewicz, um, Sienkiewicz, and then um, Frank Miller and uh, uh, David Mazzuchelli, all just that whole run combined with the Netflix Daredevil series. There's no more grounded storytelling. You know, I mean, you could actually say, you know, the whole Netflix, you know, Marvel Universe, Daredevil, um, Jessica Jones, really. Um, and then, of course, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. But core, you know, grounded things is probably Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Very grounded mm-hmm. storytelling, right? And I'm using mm-hmm. that word grounded, which kind of, to me, is, is a little bit irritating at this point because I think that it's kind of being overused um, within the, you know, the, the unreal you know sphere, the comic book movie sphere mm-hmm. of, you know, this is grounded. And, mm-hmm. oh, this is even more grounded. And, you know, it's like everything is grounded now. Um but Daredevil within the Marvel universe, you know, over the last, you know, a few decades, um, both in comics and in on uh, Netflix, it's just a very grounded, you know, realistic, gritty um, uh, portrayal of a comic book character. Right. I think I think you would agree with that. Right. Or, or would you not? Oh, no, I would agree with it. OK, so looking at that and then thinking about the Batman, which the Batman has to date for those, you know, it's gotten a lot of critical acclaim. A lot of people love it. There's some, you know, there's a little bit of divisive divisiveness mm-hmm. over it. Not everybody loves that movie, but for the people who do love it, one of the things that they immediately bring up, of course, is how grounded it is and how they love the realism or the, the at least the quasi realism of the um, detective story and, you know, the corrupt landscape of, you know, Gotham and the politicians and mm-hmm. the underworld, you know, all those types of things. It just has a very different feel to it than a lot of um, other films. And for me, and I'm not sure this is why I want to get your insight on it, because for me, I don't need all my comic book films, all my unreal films to be exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't need, um, you know, every movie to feel like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And I don't need every movie to feel like the Batman. I like the the diversity of those things. Right. Um, but when thinking about Daredevil, what brought this up to me is that or brought this topic to mind to me was that the MCU has never really had a grounded, you know, truly quote unquote grounded film. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull up the list. Cause I, you know, I don't have them on my memorized. I think it's 26 films or 27 films at this point. I think maybe 28, I think Thor coming up is going to be the 29th. But if you look at their list of th- films, those 20 something films with, you know, I think maybe, um, captain America, winter soldier comes yeah. the closest, you know, maybe the first, um, hour of that movie comes the closest and then it kind of becomes, you know, bigger. You got dudes flying around with, you know, mechanical wings. You got, you know, hovercrafts, shield hovercrafts falling from the air. You know, it's like, it becomes this big fantastical thing, but it's probably but even, the closest. Would you say even, that? No? Okay. Even, even with, and you, you, you referenced Spider-Man homecoming. I mean, th- that to me seemed grounded. Yeah. But anytime you bring in Spider-Man, I mean, you, you ultimately you're talking about a dude who got bit by a radioactive spider. So right there, 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, a Daredevil, you know, listen, Daredevil, radio, radioactive isotope hit him in his, hits him in the eyes and he has, mm-hmm. you know, um, radar sense and all these things. So it's like, I'm not saying that's why I did the word grounded kind of irritates me because it's like none of this yeah. shit is grounded. You know what I'm saying? None yeah, of it yeah, is yeah, real. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. all unreal, which is great, which mm-hmm. is why we love it. One of the reasons we love it. But at the same time, I think Spider-Man, especially when you're dealing with a teenager and you look mm-hmm. at the villains he goes up against, he was an Avenger. It's, it's much more fantastical than Netflix Daredevil series. You know, when Daredevil was basically going up against a crime boss, you know, and mm-hmm. crime boss is taking off people's heads with car doors. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. that's just a level of grit that we're not seeing anyplace else. So when I look at that, um, seeing anyplace else in the MCU, I should say, when I look at that, you know, list of the MCU films, again, you know, really outside of Winter Soldier and really only the first hour of Winter Soldier, I don't see anything that's similar in, in grounded groundedness or grit to the Batman per se. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like it, the MC just doesn't have that in their catalog. And I'm wondering why this seemed like a golden opportunity to me. And this is ultimately what I wanted to present in front of you and get your thoughts on. It just seemed like a golden opportunity for them to have daredevil coming off that mm-hmm. Netflix series to say, you know what, let's give, give this cat a feature film. And let's, let's make it as raw, maybe even R-rated, but at least PG-13, a hard PG-13, and make it into something that is vastly different than anything else we've ever done, especially after the success of the Batman. What do you think about that? Um, I honestly don't think that they have to. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that assuming that Disney Plus does not attempt to reboot Daredevil which I actually don't think that they would do given that they've already brought the Netflix series two seasons worth in Daredevil's case to the streaming channel. Um, And they seemed to, even if that uh, uh, appearance that Charlie Cox made was Mm -hmm. just a real cameo. So, so, so very brief, just the way that they kind of presented him, they kind of presented him as if all of these other things between him and Kingpin and Electra and Stick, like all of these things happened. Like mm-hmm. this is after season two, three, and uh, oh, forgive me, season three. And he, you know, he's full on Daredevil. Um, that they would stick with the channel. They would stick with you know six, maybe eight episodes. Um, and mm, I don't think that they would keep to the theme of the the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. So they what may not... By, what do you mean by theme? Well, they they may move away from this grounded... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to say it as a feeling, but, you know, this grounded portrayal of Daredevil and maybe try to, you know, MCU it up a little bit. Because I, I think, I think in, in, in Disney's view... Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and particularly Hawkeye, were these grounded shows. Right, right. That's yeah. their idea of groundedness, right. Or right. or I, even um, Moon Knight, because Kevin Feige famously felt like he, you know, before Moon Knight premiered, he, I mm-hmm. forget the quote, but he basically was like, yeah, this is going to be, you know, a level of something you've never seen in terms of the brutality or whatever. And yeah. was it really? Was it? You know what? I didn't finish Moon Knight. 
Okay, the first couple episodes. That's a whole nother, yeah. (laughs) Once my man said Alexander the Great, (laughs) I was done. (laughs) I tapped out. You tapped out, right. Right. We we um, may have to do an episode and dive really deep on on Moon Knight and kind of the... um, the implications, you know, because they, they, to their credit, they really try to do a lot of different things in there in terms of um, not going the standard um, Western viewpoint on everything. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm with you there. When that happened, that was that was hard to uh, to not tap out. So, um, yeah. So going back to my point, I, I think I think that the Daredevil series will try to strike a balance between what originally premiered on Netflix. And what they've been doing with Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Hawkeye, and I'll take your word, you know, Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have some violence, you know, we'll have some profanity. Uh, we won't have sex, but we'll keep to that level of, you know. Right. But, you, but you're kind of, but you're kind of not proving my point, but you're kind of, um, you answer my question without answering my question because. I guess the question I really want to know is why? Because, like you're saying, that's the MCU version of grit, like that. Yeah. And it's like, why not to? Because that's not really grit. And if you saw what they did to Kingpin in Hawkeye, mm-hmm. which to me, I, I enjoyed a lot of Hawkeye, but the portrayal of Kingpin in Hawkeye was heartbreaking for me. You know, because it was it was really. It was He's, a different kingpin. It was a different kingpin. He and that's what I'm talking about. Goofy and just you know, it was just like it just didn't seem like Wilson Fisk to me. Um, yeah. Not only from you know the Netflix series, but from certain comics. It just and, and I know that you know he was wearing some of the clothes that he wears in the comic. You know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. But mm-hmm. it felt like exactly what you're saying. It felt like they MCU'd him. And I'm like, yeah. why? Why is that? Why can't we not get a more grounded portrayal of a character in the MCU universe? MCU. My answer is because that's not their brand. That's mm-hmm. not the Marvel Studios brand. Mm-hmm. I think I think Netflix was uh, an experiment, a very good experiment. And I think that possibly from the success of those series, um, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist with an asterisk, the, the Defenders with an asterisk, <laughs> that... I, I, you know, I, I think that I think that added added fuel to the flame of let's get our own streaming service together. We could actually pull this off. Right. Um, but that's not their brand. That's Netflix's brand. Yeah. And, and, and of, we, of, of, yeah, of we've talked about it before that at that point, I forgot the um, the executive's name. But, you know, Kevin Feige wasn't running that division of Marvel mm-hmm. Studios. Um, it was mm-hmm. another executive. And so, yeah, that was his brand, you know, more so right. of the Marvel universe. And then, of course, now Kevin Feige is overseeing both streaming and um, cinematic. So I, I think you're I agree with you there. So, but my question then, Arthur, is that if that is not the MCU's brand and they have a certain brand of storytelling. Yeah. Are we getting because I, you know, I'm not going to do a review of Doctor Strange, but I, just very quickly, I enjoyed Doctor Strange. But there was mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. there was a point where I felt it was like I don't know I'm trying to figure out a positive way of saying this but it was it was so fantastical sometimes that it seemed like fantastical for the sake of fantastical and there really wasn't any storytelling you know it was like this is just more fantastical things that are happening and I wonder if this is the MCU's brand of storytelling as you're saying 
and the closest to grounded that they're going to get the MCU version of grounded is Hawkeye or Moon Knight or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And they were, listen, mm-hmm. there were portions of Falcon and Winter Soldier um, that were very gritty, you know? Yeah. Um, but to, you know, I think I sent it to you on Twitter. Somebody posted and showed how Disney plus has cleaned up a few things um, and taken mm-hmm. it, made it less violent um, mm-hmm. from the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, in post. But anyway, if that's right, if that's their brand, is there a danger of it becoming monotonous and singular to the point where, you know, the interest starts to wane? You know what I'm saying? It's like all these movies well, start to look alike because you're now taking this, you know, one approach to them. Whereas you kind of experimented with different things to some degree in the mm-hmm, early mm-hmm. phases, you know, like I mm-hmm. said, winter soldier was this and then Ant-Man was this. And then, you know, it was, mm-hmm. there was some differences there, but if I look at some of the more recent films, Spider-Man No Way Home was a very good movie, but it was, you know, in terms of, you know, like you said earlier, the groundedness, it, it definitely was not grounded. Bat- the Batman is a much more, you know, you can't even compare the Batman to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home in terms of groundedness. You know what I'm saying? That was, right. That's just such a different degree of groundedness. So I just wonder, you know, if is, are, you know, I guess my question here is, is the MCU, are they making a mistake? by not, you know, widening that brand a little bit. Well, hmm. do you find I yourself, mean, you know, looking at these films and starting to think, wow, these are all starting to look alike or no, or are you just, you know, have you gotten to that point yet or not? No, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten to the point that they all look alike, but I mean, I've long been to the point where there's a certain formulaic way that they, that they, that they put these films together. So, mm-hmm. Each film is one or more puzzle pieces to a larger puzzle that really has no boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, you buy a puzzle, it's got a thousand pieces, you, you put it together. When it looks like a picture and you don't have any more pieces, you're done, right? Marvel's is just where here's just, you know, a box and here are all the pieces and you got them all together and then you just got to wait for the next box to extend this puzzle, but you really don't have an end to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, you can have, and we've had a series of Batman films and they rarely connect because that's not, that's not what DC does. And when they try to connect it, you know, we say, and rightfully so, yeah, that ain't it. Mm-hmm. We've done shows about how difficult it is to do world building. Um, you know, you're pretty much the champion of <laughs> how that, how that goes and why that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. For DC. So you can have a standalone, a true standalone, the Batman, and it doesn't have to connect to what Nolan did in Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. It, it just it, do, it doesn't have to. But if you try to reboot, imagine if Marvel rebooted Iron Man. It right, wouldn't. It wouldn't work. Rush. We would. Re- we would reject it, even if it was a great film. We'd say, "Yeah, it was a great film," but no, 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 that ain't it. Yeah, it'd have to be a standalone. You couldn't shove it into the current MCU. Mm-hmm. I believe that these TV shows connect to the films, particularly in this period where, and I think I said this on the on the um, on the last show, particularly where they have to get to a new big bad. Right. They've got to push these new characters out. Captain America's gone. Steve Rogers is gone. Iron Man is gone. Tony Stark is gone. Right. We've got these, you know, B team players mm-hmm. that are being brought to the front. Thor probably being the only remaining real marquee. I know they did a strange film, you mm-hmm. know, but 
when some shit jumps off, you're not sending Strange first. You'll send Thor before him. Mm-hmm. So um, they've got to do something with these other players to bring them higher up. That's mm-hmm. why we're going to get another Ant-Man movie. And they've got to get to this big bat. So maybe that's why Doctor Strange and the madness of the multiverse, <laughs> great, but we didn't get anywhere. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I hear what you're saying. I somewhat agree with what you're saying. I think that yeah. for me, though, it still feels like a missed opportunity because it's Daredevil. Because this is a character, along with Jessica Jones, I think, and maybe even Luke Cage. But these, this is a character who is tailor-made for a gritty feature-length film. Because yeah. Daredevil is, he's not, I don't think he's a house, he's not a household name yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the Netflix series did a lot to boost his popularity, but he's, you still have an opportunity to do what you did with Iron Man and basically make a great film that makes him a household name. And mm-hmm. I feel like this was, you know, in the, again, in the afterglow of this, the success of Matt Reeves, Batman, the Batman, I feel yeah. like this was a great opportunity for MCU to expand their brand and say, you know what, let's do something outside of what we're doing. And, create a feature league film give this cat his own film not a series i'm i'm listen let me be clear i'm happy cool. to, i'm i'm definitely happy obviously that they're going to bring daredevil back because i was right. a huge fan of the netflix series and as you can see that nobody else can see but as you can see behind me all the um the daredevil omnibuses on the shelf behind me so i'm a definitely a big fan and i i'm happy that they are going to bring them back even if they do reboot yeah. them i'm hoping it doesn't break my heart in the way the kingpin broke my heart but I still feel like this is a missed opportunity and I wonder yeah. if it is going to be, it, it, I wonder if it's a sign of a larger mistake that they may be, may, may be making and not well, broadening their brand. Well, I just feel that MC, the MCU is not going to bring an R rated film to theaters in the same way that star Wars is not going to bring an R rated film to theaters. We really like rogue one. Rogue one is a PG 13 film. I'm glad you brought That's that as up. As gritty I'm, as we're going to get. I'm glad you brought that up. Rogue One. Let's equate Rogue One to the Batman. Mm-hmm. Both PG-13, both very grounded, both very different yeah. in tone than their predecessors. Although, you mm-hmm. know, you could argue the Batman was a, you know, kind of a turning up in volume of what had already been established in some of the Nolan stuff, maybe even mm-hmm. the 1980 Batman, 1989 Batman stuff or Mask of Phantasm, whatever. So, but let's just equate those two movies. That's what I'm, it doesn't have to be R, but just that level. I think what Lucasfilm did there, even though they've made, they've had a lot of um, missteps. Mm-hmm. They've, what they've done with Rogue One and definitely with the Mandalorian, with the Bad mm-hmm. Batch, you know, mm-hmm. what they've done is they broadened their, 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 you know, their ability or their, their storytelling brand. Um, a lot of it through Dave Filoni and John Favreau, but also through Deborah Chow, through mm-hmm. um, Rick Famuyiwa, you know what I'm saying? Through they've they've taken what they've what we thought was strictly Star Wars and given yeah. us another version of that, and I think it has been very successful in some places. And Rogue One being mm-hmm. one of those, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm saying. I think the MCU needs to do something like that. It doesn't have to be R, but I think a hard mm-hmm. PG-13 like that. And here is your perfect opportunity with Daredevil. I think it, this is the perfect time for something like that. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. So listen, I know we got to get on to uh, Obi-Wan, but can we, let's, let's put a, a pin in that. I think it's a, to be continued. I'm really interested as we learn, we'll probably maybe get more about Daredevil. I'm sure later this year, I'm sure it won't be pr- uh, premiering on Disney plus probably till late next year. 
Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to, you know, come back and talk about that because how they reboot that, I think is going to be key to the conversation we're having right now. They have a space on Disney plus, you know, behind a, a, a locked door basically where they put all of those Netflix shows, you know, those R rated Netflix shows. Yeah. So they could reboot him as a series in that same vein and put him behind that wall um, if they wanted to. Um, but I still think a film um, is warranted at this point. All right, let's get on to uh, Mr. Kenobi, um, the series that you've been looking for. All right. We got two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, <laughs> two episodes that included, what, a four minute and some second supercut. Of mm. episodes one, two, and three. What did you, that's Lucas a good films. place to start. What did you think about that? The the long time ago, you know, far, far away. You know, how did you feel about the place card and then the recap? Uh, you know what? I, I I did I did like it at some. It, it, I in some ways I kind of felt that it was that it was um, well unnecessary is a bit strong, but because I do think that it was necessary to provide some scope into the story that we are about to see. And I think that was actually important for just um, a half second. I really thought they were going to cut in for just a half second. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it wasn't a thought. It was a hope that they were going to cut in a clone wars clip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, <laughs> just oh. throw in some cartoons. Oh my God. They would do, you, you know, you would have got a call. You know, you would have got a, like a long distance elbow right, right to your side. Yeah. They would have thrown yeah. in a Clone Wars clip. Oh my God. Come on, man. That's, that's, I kind of was like, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but for just a half a second, cause you, like you said, it was four, it was, it was almost five minutes. So the longer right. it kept going, I was like, oh, that's like, wait a minute. You know, is it going to be a clone? You know, yeah. we're going to see, yeah. an, you know, uh, animated uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan or God, you know, hold my, you know, could it actually be a, a clip of uh, Rex? You know, could that happen? You know, but no, we didn't get it. But no, I, I, I liked it. That. I thought it was still, it was, it was cool to catch up, you know, for people who didn't know. And for even for us, it was kind of good because they know people don't watch the prequels probably as much as they watch some of the other stuff. So, yeah. I also thought it was important to uh, lead into the opening scene where we're in the Jedi temple and the younglings are being trained by, by a Jedi um, just as order 66 has been uh, initiated. Mm -hmm. Um, I really loved the camera work at the choices that director Deborah Chow made Um, single shot, single camera, no, no, no edits showing the Jedi trying to get the children out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a good, that was a good lightsaber battle be in the sense that the franticness of it. Um, yes. On one of the, on screen crush, I believe that he gave the name of the Jedi master who was training the kids and, you know, who the one we followed, you know, um, as she was, you know, taking down the clone troopers and, I don't. I can't remember her name, but just the kind of the frantic nature of that fight, and the fact that she was trying to shepherd those kids at the same time as defend herself against these clone troopers. I thought it was. I'm. I'm completely in agreement with you. I thought it was really well done, and it kind of, to be honest, if we can get into this, it actually raised the bar for me very high immediately. That you know, it's like mm-hmm. that was the first like you know what thirty seconds, forty forty seconds of the show. Yeah. And I was like, I my, I had a flashback back to the Mandalorian um, season one episode. I think it was three or four that Deborah Child directed. Um, when the you know when a uh, spoiler for the Mandalorian, 
when um you know the coven flies in and saves mando and mm-hmm. it was just like that mo- i just had a flashback to that because you know that was like when we got introduced to deborah chow and it's like she's you know next level like she all she shot to the top as far as like directors that we look for now and so that opening scene of obi-wan that really set the bar for me and it was like man now it's like this this is deborah chow only she could do it like this you know um so yeah. I'm, I'm in agreement with you yeah and um then establishing that we're 10 years later and we see we're back on Tatooine, and so this is this is the landscape and this is the timeline um and i know i'm bad with timelines when it comes to star wars and i'm mm-hmm. on the show so <laughs> i kind of thought through it so obviously we're after episode three you know the correct the the galactic empire has won we are also after bad batch because bad Batch starts i think so 10 years yeah you're right you're right you're right bad Bad batch starts immediately after order 66 right so we're we're, you know we're after the current season of bad batch i think is the right way to say it that okay i'll take that we're after the current season of bad batch i believe we are overlapping with rebels that I'm not sure because Rebels. How how far before Episode Four the Rebels happen? Well, Kanan is an adult, mm-hmm. and Kanan was a child. He was a, well, he was a Padawan, right? At in Rebels at the beginning of Rebels. So I'm thinking if you add ten years to this Padawan, you get roughly the age of Kanan during Rebels. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! We're talking about. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the, the the Jedi in Rebels. We're talking about the Jedi, not the not the young kid. Who was the young kid? Right. Ezra. We're not talking about Ezra. We're, We're not talking, talking about, about Ezra. Ezra. We're talking about Kanan. Kanan at Order sixty six. Kanan was probably he looked like in Bad Batch episode one. He yep. looked like he was what thirteen maybe. A he's teen- a teenager, right? He's, so right. ten years. He's in his early twenties. Mm-hmm. And then you got to add some more time before we get to Rebels. So, so you're saying that Obi Wan is is uh, happens prior to Rebels. I'm I'm saying that Obi Wan happens prior to Rebels, but possibly overlaps overlap. the beginning. Okay, okay. just yeah, because we we're not we're not accurate on Kanan's age. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I got so, you. So, um, and uh, he's a Obi Wan. Goes by Ben. He's a butcher. <laughs> right some weird space creature yeah yeah he's a, you know. <laughs> who apparently the, the meat lasts for a long time <laughs> because they leave it out in the, the meat dry. doesn't spoil <laughs> Evidently. they leave it out right yeah they they leave the meat out uncovered unrefrigerated <laughs> but apparently that's fine right no issue there um and you know he, he, he okay so here's your, what your overall thoughts yeah so 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 i have some issues okay give give me the positive first yeah give me the positive yeah yeah i am liking it um something that i do like is uh i like how young leia is featured i like it's it's a nice break from luke because we know so much about luke we don't know about his 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 early years Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like Leia kind of being brought to the forefront and not even kind of being brought to the forefront and having her drive some of this story mm-hmm. to draw Kenobi out from his mundane or if certainly repetitive life, mm-hmm. get up, go to work, come back, feed the camel, 
go back to the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, Hang out with the Jawa. I'm not. I'm not mad at how Vader is introduced. Mm-hmm. It, I, I didn't expect that. Um, uh, I thought it was a nice duality between Kenobi realizing, learning, not even realizing, learning that Anakin is still alive. Vader's been looking for him, and then boom, we get Hayden Christensen in the back to tank. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, that was, was, I thought that was good television. And you know, that was that was a direct callback to um, when uh, Vader learns about Leia. You know, in Empire, when Vader is like stalking Luke and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're fighting, he's kind of like stalking him. And he's talking while he's, you know, t- looking for Luke. And right. Luke's feelings are betraying him. And then, you know, Vader realizes, I forgot what Vader says. But then Luke starts Your thinking sister. about Leia and he's like, oh, yeah. there's a sister. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like it was a direct callback, which I thought was cool. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not as on board with the reveal as you are, but I did think that was cool. But go ahead. So um, and and I also respected that it had a feel similar to episodes one, two and three. Um, I, I um, I'm having trouble and I was really trying, you know, I'm having trouble to kind of put into words what that what that feel is yeah i know exactly what you're talking about one has a feel to it the mandalorian Mm -hmm. has a feel to it and and that's not like episode one two and three you know it's more like episode four it's just a feel it's a little it's 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 a little glossy a little glossy Mm -hmm. um and just a smidge um over the top with you know the comedic tropes Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what one, two, and three, you know, brought to the table. Um, but I, I had some issues with the acting overall in that it was a little stale. Mm-hmm. I think the best performances so far have been McGregor himself um, and Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that um, Mose Ingram... I, I liked her presence as Reva. I liked her attitude. Um, she's impatient. She has a, an ulterior motive of being the one to find and bring Kenobi uh, to Vader. Um, I saw a, a, a really good um, new rock stars YouTube um, segment mm-hmm. about the first Kenobi episode where where um, my guy is imp- Kevin Voss, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, Kevin Voss. Where he where he believes that Reva is actually one of the young Jedi, right? From the that we see in the yeah, we see in episode one, see. yeah, or part and, one, yeah. And connecting that to the adult Reva, the Inquisitor Reva, who clearly has force abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, her disdain toward the Jedi. And we should note, I mean, it did, uh, Obi-Wan mentions it during the show, but just for anybody who doesn't have knowledge of this, all of the Inquisitors are reportedly ex, you know, Jedi or ex members of the Jedi order. Um, mm-hmm. in fact, the grand Inquisitor, they retconned it. So he was one of the guards. Remember in the trial, I forgot the young Jedi's name, uh, Ahsoka's friend, the one that, that uh, framed Ahsoka, um, yes. in the clone wars. In her trial, one of the guards was is the Grand Inquisitor that we see. 
um, mm-hmm. or at least we'll get to this later, but at least the grand inquisitor that we see in rebels, you know, so mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. these inquisitors were, are, you know, former Jedi who left the order or, you know, who, who joined up with uh, the empire and they're not mm-hmm. Sith, you know, they're not full fledged Sith. Right, um, right, right. But, but they are trained but in those under, ways. under direct command from Vader. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so that was a that that was an interesting that was an interesting uh, call mm-hmm. uh, to make. Did and, you have any issues with anything else in the show, or was that prime, that that was it, or was was it you know the acting? Because you said okay, as so you said, you liked Rupert, you liked um, uh, what Ewan McGregor did. Who who like threw you off? Who was stale to you? Reva. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Reva. I felt that a lot of her dialogue was was forced but see here's the thing i had to step back and realize okay we've only got six episodes mm-hmm. so we're gonna have to tell a lot of story in a short amount of time particularly if these episodes are 30 35 minutes long you know so i needed to kind of dial back this the desire to get you know more information mm-hmm. and we kind of have to cut to the chase on some things and, and one of those things like my top marquee pick in that is the relationship between Owen, the, Luke's uncle, and Kenobi. And what I was hoping for, for this series is that we get more information on why there's this dislike, particularly Owen. Uh, um, Owen doesn't like Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And I thought that we would really get into, or at least just touch on why. Well, do he you think you, you don't think you got enough of it in that scene? Where he basically, I mean, the the now famous, you know, like you trained his father line. I I don't, I don't, I, I don't, and and the reason why I don't is because in that in that conversation, you know, Owen Owen fundamentally blames Kenobi for Anakin's right, death. Right. The problem that I have with that is it assumes that Owen and Anakin had a strong relationship to begin with. Anakin mm-hmm. was not around. Mm-hmm. Owen, you see what I mean? So it just seemed like there was a bit of a disconnect. So you think there may be something deeper in terms of Owen's, it may not even be so personal to, to Obi-Wan. It may just be Jedi in general. Like he may have a deeper, a deeper disregard or disrespect for Jedi. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Or what they represent. Right. You know, and I, I was kind of trying to make the connection between and, and, and fumbled it because I was thinking of Owen as, as, um, like you know, Anakin's you know uncle basically, or but but no no no, they're 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 stepbrothers. Right, it's the stepbrothers. You know what I'm Was that their relationship? Yeah, because he says I'm yeah, because yeah, Owen yeah. is yeah. not. Um, yeah, they don't have the same mom or dad. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a whole right. But it, but his I think his his and I have to say that scene between him and Obi Wan in part one I think was probably one of the best scenes in the first two episodes. I and his and, and uh, Joel Edgerton is perfect in that role. And his assertion I think towards Obi Wan, you know, listen, you messed up, and because of that, Anakin died, and I'm not going to let you make that same mistake. I think that you know because in his view, Skywalker's or at least his understanding of that bloodline, they belong here on Tatooine on the farm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're Mm -hmm. filling, you're filling their heads with all these other things and you see where that led. So I kind of felt like I got enough out of the scene, but I do get your point that 
it seems like that's just really fertile ground. You know what I'm saying? It's like we we, we should keep mining that because that was really interesting. And it was really, yeah, because it seemed to be centered. It, it, Anakin was mentioned, but I mean, it really seemed to be centered on Luke, where mm-hmm. Owen is protecting Luke. Because Owen, when he's threatened by Reva, right after that exchange, mm-hmm. you know, Owen doesn't give up Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. The inquisitors, the inquisitors at that time don't realize that Kenobi is on. Right, the they're, the they're trying to find uh, Nari, mm-hmm. the one that they did identify, um, and you know after Reva's you know kind of put in check, Obi Wan comes to Owen and says, you know, thank you for that, thank you for not giving me up, you know, and Owen's like, I didn't do it for you. In mm-hmm. reality, he's, he was doing it for Luke. But why? Oh, because he because he he needs he whether he wants to admit it or not, he knows that he he may need Obi Wan to protect Luke. No, if I believe that if Owen revealed Obi Wan, mm-hmm. well, why is Obi Wan here? Oh, they would eventually find. Okay, yeah, good point. Good point. And, you're right, Owen's mm-hmm. not harboring Obi Wan. Who the hell is he harboring? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you yeah, know what? I, just, I, so I'm just saying that I had to I had to accept the fact. Okay, we, we're going to have to get through some points. Yeah, but you yeah. make you you bring up something really interesting though because I think prior to the series everyone was like you know there's a lot of rumblings on Twitter and elsewhere like hey I hope they it's not going to be all Tatooine based you know mm-hmm. um, we just came off of Boba Fett you know there's been a lot of Tatooine and uh, or at least Sand Planets and Mando and others some of the films of all and it feels like yeah they immediately went to another planet in part two of this this show mm-hmm. but the most interesting storytelling to me was on Tatooine. You know, it was that yes. dynamic between him and Owen. It was yes. him looking at Luke. It was the solitary nature of um, Obi Wan Obi Wan's life in the aftermath of what happened with um, you know with the Order sixty six and the the mm-hmm. loss that he faced and his failure with Anakin. And it was basically like you said at the beginning of the show. It was just loss. Him dealing with loss and living, not even dealing with it, but just living in loss mm-hmm. and, and guilt and guilt. And that was just. Once he leaves in part two, I think, even though, yeah, that new planet with the the Hong Kong the planet mm-hmm. looked interesting visually and so on and so forth. It just wasn't as interesting to me. I no, did it think reminded it reminded me of nowhere from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it was I think it was a very interesting and brave and almost, I think it was probably the right decision for them to kind of do a fake out where we saw Luke in the trailers and we're like, Oh, Luke is going to be featured in this. We're going to see him, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. he has to save Luke. Maybe that's why he leaves the planet, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. It was a nice fake out for them to introduce Leia. And like you said, we don't get a lot of Leia at that age, especially we don't know. You know, I'm sure that some of the books may cover some of that stuff, but we've never seen any of this, you know, on, on film or television. So it was a really, I think, interesting and brave and probably the right choice, but and only, and we're only judging two episodes, but I have to say like, yeah, that second episode wasn't as rich. It wasn't as emotionally rich to me as the first mm-hmm. episode. And since in the sense of we're on now we're on this adventure and I felt somewhat disconnected from Obi-Wan. Whereas in the first episode, I was really well, connecting to what he was going through. No, I get that. Sense. And I, I think that, I think that for the episode two, we needed to get some action going because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of action in 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 episode one of Kenobi, so I, I I saw that I respected that I was fine with that, um, 
even even with the imbalance, because again, okay, we only got six episodes. I think Deborah Chow did a did because um, because Dave Filoni, uh, you know, I forget how he's credited, but it's like special thanks, right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Um, you hung around so, for a long time in the cre- post credits because I I hung around too. I don't know why, but I, I did. hung around too, and it's like yeah. that was real late in the post credits when they said thanks, yeah. to, special thanks to Dave Filoni. I was also hanging around because I wanted to see if they were going to credit uh, Tamora Morrison. But we'll, oh, get, did, and we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Because yeah, that's yeah. another sort of inconsistency slash issue that I have. And I've got two of them. Mm, so, so, okay. But to lead into that, I'm saying that I, I, I liked how Chow exploited some things in the earlier films to be able to develop her story. For example, in episode four of the film, The New Hope, the first Star Wars film, you know, Luke is introduced to Leia through her communique to Obi-Wan or mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. You served my father in the Clone Wars, help you know, help me over y'all and Kenobi, your only hope, da 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 da. You know, and you don't really mind, well, how does she know okay, her dad told her, but it wasn't like she said, Dad said mm-hmm. she's like, you know, this is what you did. You know, she's appealing to him. And so now it's open to explore that there was a prior relationship between a prior mm-hmm. meeting mm-hmm. between Obi-Wan and Leia. Good with that. Um Good with a clone trooper being present on the Dayu, interacting with Kenobi. Mm. Both of those being said, now let me get to some of my micro ripes. Right? <laughs> okay. All right. And I'll do the second one first. Gripe number one is... <laughs> true, true Arturo style. I'll do, I'll do the second <laughs> one first. <laughs> For no apparent reason. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Obi-Wan just gets to the Dayu. He hears the clone trooper ask for credits, any credits for a veteran. Mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, who's totally freaked out by anybody recognizing him, sees the clone trooper, mm-hmm. who may or might not, first, may or may not be Rex. Probably isn't. <laughs> that, be, but that bet not be Rex. <laughs> there was, you know, there were blue markings on the scar. Yeah, he, he, was, he was a member of the 501st. He was a member of Anakin's. He, he rolled up in the temple. That dude See what that I'm we saying? saw. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so now we've got, we've got a couple problems from Obi-Wan's standpoint. Mm-hmm. This cat might One recognize is, me. This cat might recognize me. <laughs> Two, chip. this cat may shot may have shot at me. <laughs> kill my kill my kill my family. This dude you may shoot I mean? at me. Hey, listen, if the inhibitor ch- kicks in, he may shoot at me right now. That was that's the other one. <laughs> it may kick in right now. He's 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 broke down and he may just jump up, you know, and get reactivated and start trying to kill me right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Um So you but felt I, that but you felt that was an inconsistency? I feel that it was an inconsistency that worked on the screen, mm-hmm. you know, and because because that exchange did deal with the guilt that Obi-Wan has. It dealt with his um, disconnection from the the let me just say it this way, that his disconnection from the force because mm. the way that we're the and I'm going to get to. This leads into my first right, <laughs> okay. right? The backwards, the backwards reveal. Okay. The way that Obi-Wan is presented, mm-hmm. he is all but broken. He abandons Nari, the Jedi that's actually being 
hunted because he's been exposed. Mm-hmm. Nari even says, what happened to you? Right. You were once a great Jedi. You know, and Obi-Wan's like, look, the way, the day, you know, the time of the Jedi are it's gone. Over. Yeah. Live a normal life. Bury that lightsaber stick in the desert. <laughs> walk away. Mm-hmm. Right. But he still feels compelled to not only watch over Luke, but ultimately train him. Mm-hmm. Now, I get that Jimmy Smith's as, as uh, homeboy Bale. Organa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bail Bail Organa, you know, comes to him as I look. You know, it's not about it's not about the boy, you know, it's about your guilt. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I get that, but my thing is okay. But he fee- he still feels compelled to train him, and I think that he has to feel compelled to train him so that we can draw a line to. Alec Guinness in the original portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. who wants to train Luke and get him off of the, the desert planet, get him off of Tatooine. You mm-hmm. know? So I, I think that Chow may have had a problem with how to sort of connect that Okay, all right. Well, problem. Re- rebuttal. Rebuttal. Yeah. Because I, I see what you're saying, but I think... Chow and more importantly, or more to the point, I think Stuart Beatty and I forgot the other writer's name, the the two, mm-hmm. the, the, well, there's three writers I think I saw credited um, for these first two episodes. But I think that their issue or their problem is exactly like you said, they need to make sure that this aligns in some sort of way that they can find their way to the Alec Guinness, you know, Obi-Wan that meet, we meet in the original Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we're seeing is that I think right now Obi-Wan's motivation to train Luke as soon as he starts showing as, as, as uh, Owen put it in part one, where he says, you know, you just interested in whether or not he's showing basically, is he showing any Jedi abilities or any force sensitive Mm -hmm. abilities? Mm -hmm. I think right now, Obi-Wan's motivation to train him is because he knows that, this boy needs to know how to defend himself. Similar to how Gro- what, what Ahsoka says to Grogu about Grogu mm-hmm. to the Mandalorian. In other words, he has oh. to know how to train him, how to handle his abilities or else he's going to be a danger to himself and others, you know, and mm-hmm. added to that, if Vader ever finds out about this or the emperor ever finds out about Luke and or Leia, mm-hmm. he has to know how to handle himself because people are going to come for him. You know, okay, so, so regardless of my own personal feelings about all of this, right? If I'm, I'm really going to care for the boy, I need to at least let him know what's up, right? If he's, I need to train him so he can okay. know what's up. Now, I think in the back of his mind, Obi Wan being Obi Wan, because even though he's mm-hmm. broken and like you said, he's dealing with all these laws, at his core of his his being, he's still the same person. You know, he's still yeah. the same one that we we knew in the prequels and we knew throughout the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and there's still that kind of like. Um, for better or for worse, there's that kind of, um, uh, not determination, but, um, devotion towards, Mm -hmm. you know, what is supposed to be this, you know, the idealistic kind of Jedi ways, you know, he has that hardcore devotion, which, um, as we talked about before, Ahsoka calls him out on, you know, in his, his kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, dogged, um, uh, the dogma that he kind of, um, uh, uh, adheres to. But Mm -hmm. that's the same Obi-Wan. So I think that maybe deep down inside of him, regardless of all this stuff he says about the Jedi way being over and blah, blah, I think he still, you know, wants to train Luke or at least a part of him wants to train Luke because it can't be over. You know what I'm saying? There's got to be hope. There's got to be the Jedi can't die. You know, Mm -hmm. even though 
90 percent of him has has bought into that. I think there's still that 10 percent that's like, no, you know, we've got to do something. So I think that's still going on. I think what's going to happen, though, to your point, Arthur, is that by the time we get to Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan, something is going to happen where he is going to stop. He's going to give up. You know, he's not going to continue to push Owen to train Luke because by the time Luke is what, 18, we know he hasn't been trained, you know, 18 or 19. He hasn't been trained. So there's going to be something where Obi-Wan gets to a point where it's like, I'm not going to train the boy, but I will watch out for him. I'm going to stay on Tatooine and still look Mm -hmm. out for him. So maybe we'll find out, you know, in this series, how that comes about. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Presumably 18 year old Luke hasn't, show or that he knows or maybe, of. right that he knows of because yeah the in original star wars film the movie starts it's not like he's you know moving rocks around or anything you know it's like yeah. he's he's pretty ignorant of all mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. um just also a quick rebuttal i do your whole the whole clone uh mention or the uh mm-hmm. you know the clone showing up i i see what you're saying i had no problem with it i thought it was actually great i think that that clone was so kind of like out of his mind in terms of probably dealing with a whole lot of PTSD and mental issues, whatever, that he probably wouldn't have recognized Obi-Wan, you know, even, mm-hmm. even though Obi-Wan, you know, had his cloak on, but if you, if you, you know, cause Obi-Wan wasn't just a Jedi, you know, he was top tier, you know, he was, That's he was, right. he was yeah. it was him, Yoda, uh, Mace, you know, Mace. Anakin, you know, a couple other ones. They was like, they were the famous, you know, at the top of the, at the top of the pile. So, Everyone mm-hmm. would recognize him. So, but I think that clone was just so out of it and it's been 10 years clones age twice as fast. He was just like, he's pretty, he may be unhoused, you know what I'm saying? Living on the streets. He's just, yeah. he was just out. So it was like, yeah, he yeah, didn't, yeah. but so I thought it was a really cool kind of like tease to show. And, and we're still, because the bad batch has only had one season. We still don't know the full story of what happened to the clones after they were phased out. You know, we don't know. Um, so I thought it was kind of a cool, like, you know, tease. At Cause that. he wasn't in a stormtrooper uniform. I mean, he was, no, he was in his five Oh first. He was in his, he was in his, his, uh, clone trooper uniform. So that was, I kind of want to know how did that dude get there? What, you know, maybe in the bad batch, we'll find out. So let's, how let's did you, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, I wanted to flip it as far as, you know, your pros and cons and no, I'm, I mean, overall, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I do think I'm pretty much on the same page with you. I think from a visual standpoint, it did remind me more of the prequels, but there was some, especially the stuff on um, Alderaan. I just was like, man, that CGI does not look great. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. it really looked CG. It looked, it looked old school CGI where it's like, we're way past this. You got the volume, you know, you saw how the, how great it looked in the part two when they went to what's the planet. Die you. Um, yeah. Yeah. You saw how great the volume looked on that, you know, in terms of, um, yeah, I think they were just trying to match the feel. Yeah. The feel of the prequels. The yeah. Films. Which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Cause I just, it kind of took me when they went to Alderaan, it just kind of took me out of it for a second. It looked, it looked old, you know, it didn't mm-hmm. look, it didn't look good to me. And, um, I had an issue with that. So, so yeah, look and feel, um, I'm kind of on the fence of in terms of the show, there was some very, you know, like I said, the beginning, the first scene we see in part one, um, there were some visuals in part one of the desert, um, of the isolation of Obi-Wan that I thought were beautiful and really, um, mm-hmm. helped to push the narrative in terms of making you understand what he's going through. Um, I thought too many people spoke basic English or spoke basic, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I need more alien speak. You know what I'm saying? It was like an episode mm-hmm. or part two when the dude, um, who comes from the same place as, uh, as uh, uh, 
mall. I forgot the species, but you know, he's, he's, he's saying species is mall. Um, and he yeah, rolled yeah, up yeah. on a, over and he's like, Hey, it's <laughs> 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 just, just like, Hey, what you doing here? And it was like, does he live like over on my, on the block around the corner from me or something? It was like, it just felt really weird. And it was like, why there just seemed to be at some points during the both episodes, I felt like I wasn't in the star Wars galaxy. I felt like I was in like ancient earth or something, you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. just, or maybe mm-hmm. star Trek or something like mm-hmm. that. It just didn't feel, um, fantastical enough for me the way that star Wars usually is. But overall I really, you know, I enjoyed it. I think the story, um, I agree with you. The action was kind of like waning. It was like, hmm, are, are the, you know, the first episode, it was like, for me, it was fine, but I could definitely see a lot of people saying, well, where's, you know, it, it kind of moved kind of slowly. I could see people saying, um, but I, I thought part, I thought part one was better than even, um, part two. Um, what else? Uh, let me look at, I took, uh, there's something else I wrote. Um, I thought the line yet, you already mentioned it, the line, you know, that Obi-Wan, the fight, when he said the fight is done, we lost the time of the Jedi is over. I guess to me, my one of the things. Oh, I got to mention this really quickly. I love the Jawas, man. Every ever since ah. Mandalorian of season one, I've like fallen in love with Jawas because they them cats. I wouldn't want to deal like if I lived in that. Like I would probably hate them like everybody else because they you know they steal mm-hmm. shit and you know. Mm-hmm. But they basically when they when my man took Obi Wan, stole Obi Wan's processor, and then tried to sell it back to him. That shit was hilarious. And then Obi Wan mm-hmm. was like, "Yo, can you clean it first? If you're gonna try to do this to me, can you at least clean it?" And the jaw was classic answer. The jaw was like, well, cleaning costs extra. <laughs> yeah. like, These cats are wild. So I love the Jawas. Um, but I think one of the things I wanted to ask you, kind of present to you and get your take on is that in dealing with all this loss and where we are when we meet Obi-Wan in this series, my question was like, what? It's been 10 years. When At the end of Revenge of the Sith, when yeah. um, Yoda tells him like, yeah, we need to go into hiding. I don't remember the exact dialogue and I, I should have looked it up before the show, but it felt to me like they at least there was some type of plan. Like we're going to go into hiding. I'm going to train you so you can, you know, commune with a uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and is that his name? Qui-Gon. Yeah. Qui-Gon. Yeah. I'm going to train you so you can do that. And we're going to go into hiding. And it felt to me like, okay, and then we're going to, you know what I'm saying? Not that he said that, but it felt like we're going into exile for a reason because yeah. we can't afford to be completely wiped out. And, you know, at some point we're going to do something. That's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. But now 10 years later, Obi-Wan just sounds like, yeah, it's over done, you know, right. done. And it's like, really? What, mm-hmm. what's the, mm-hmm. you know, it's no plan. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no plan mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how did you feel about that? And just kind of bred back into my thing about, okay, but he still feels compelled to train Luke. It's like, you know it's done i'm just gonna be chopping meat for the rest of my life (laughs) and then but no 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 i gotta i gotta i gotta train this boy Mm -hmm. you know and and it just again you know we got six episodes so i think some decisions had to be made to make to just keep the story you know moving but I, I just think that there was such a good presentation of Obi-Wan as a broken man mm, Yeah, that even the scene where he goes to observe Luke and check on him, following that up with building the, you know, the toy mm. that he delivers presumably that night or a short time thereafter um, that we see Mark Hamill 
you know, play, basically playing with as an adult man later yeah. <laughs> in yeah. 1977. It it did it did feel more like managing his guilt and less like you know duty bound because just I guess I kind of expected to to see a, a Liam Neeson cameo in some way. I think you know, you or will. some sort of Yoda reference or something like that. Right? I think you're definitely going to get Liam Neeson probably in uh, one of the, the last couple episodes. Um, and but because me, he I, went to great lengths to distance himself from, you know, Nari mm-hmm. and not help him. Right. Weird. He yeah. doesn't want the fight. You know. Yeah. What? But what do? Because that's you know that blew my mind. Because I'm thinking, okay again the plan it's like if you it seems like yoda would have said yo if you come into contact with any jedi send them here you know what i'm saying it's like they have no plan arthur it's like they're being hunted these inquisitors Mm -hmm. are hunting them down killing Mm -hmm. them it's like there's no plan it's like there's no network there's even watching the mandalorian the mandalorians are being have been hunted their their planet was destroyed you know but they have covens you know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. have they have secret markings. They have ways mm-hmm. of communicating with each other. They look out. That's, there's this real dichotomy between that's grown over the last couple of years and what the storytelling between, and maybe it always was there in the extended universe, but there's this dichotomy between Mandalorian culture and Jedi culture. And it's been made yeah. very clear, and it was made even more clear in the last, the last season of Boba Fett when, you know, uh, Luke is talking to Grogu about the Jedi ways and you see the real contrast between what he's saying and mm-hmm. what the armorer is telling to Din Djarin, you know, saying mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. just this real die. And I'm not saying that, you know, cause it, with Din Djarin's uh, quote unquote cult, you know, there's some negative negatives there, but I just think that where is the plan with the Jedi? Like, why aren't they, you know, because that was, that was effed up because Obi-Wan is just like, you know, I'm not who you think I am. And then when he acknowledges who he is, he basically tells dude, go bury this and go away. And there's no type of support system. You know what I'm saying? There's no, right. there's no meetings. There's no nothing. It's just right. like, you're just, you're, you're, you're on, on your, your own. own. You're on your own. And that just blew my mind. So, um, but let me ask you just, and we can move on to the other characters, but with Obi-Wan, do you think that his guilt is, 90% around Anakin and maybe 10% around the fact that him and the other Jedi masters effed up so bad that they lost this war and basically handed the, the galaxy to the emperor. And if so, shouldn't it be the other way around or are these the same things? Cause it seems like to me, Obi-Wan's guilt is like completely around Anakin. He was a chosen one. He was my brother. And you know, I, I killed him essentially. And you know, we lost this thing, you know, this whole, this whole conflict and now the emperor is in control are those tied into each other or do you think Obi-Wan kind of separates those things? And he's just, I think that, yeah, I think they're tied into each other. Okay. All right. Cause I, I, really I was kind of getting the feeling that he was completely focusing on Anakin, which was annoying me a little bit. Yeah. Obi-Wan, this Obi-Wan ain't thinking nothing about Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. He's not thinking anything about the trial. He's not thinking anything about, they got it wrong. They got her wrong. You know, um, He's not thinking about she's still out there somewhere. Is she alive? He worried about he worried about Anakin, and so I think that we're just going to have to accept that his guilt is centered around Anakin, Mm -hmm. Um, and not the Emperor, not Ahsoka, not Yoda. None of that is coming into play. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in you know in this story. Even even him going honestly, man. Even him going after Leia centered around Anakin. 
Mm. You could you know you couldn't save her father, but you could save her. Yeah, that was the I guess that was the argument that made him leave or made him do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that was a beautiful moment when he had to admit um, to Bale for the second time that I'm not the man I used to be. You know, because or, or yeah, or better yet, when he says to him, "What if I? What if I can't do it? You know, what if I fail? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a very mm-hmm. vulnerable moment for Obi Wan because he, you know Bale calls him out and it's like you're the only person, and then. Uh, Kenobi is like what if I'm not you know and it's like yeah. that was really a vulnerable moment because it's like you really see he has really come to doubt his abilities everything and it's not mm-hmm. just because of age or anything like that it's because of his failure um, so yeah I, that was that was very powerful but let's let's, so, let's look at some of the other characters or did you have another Obi-Wan point I had another Obi-Wan point it was, it's more of a it's more of a question and a viewpoint at the end of season, season, at the end of episode two, when he's talking to Leia and they get into the hangar and he says to, well, Leia, he pauses and the child says to him, you know, what's wrong? Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan says to her, you, re- you just remind me of a friend. Mm-hmm. She was a leader. She was brave. She was stubborn. Mm-hmm. Do you think, because initially I thought he was talking about Padme. Mm-hmm. But I was watching this with my wife, Joy, and Joy was like, oh, I think he's talking about, you know, old girl, Satine. Ooh, ooh, that would be interesting. I do think it's Padme simply because it was just a layup for them to, like, write that in there. Like, that's, that's yeah, just I easy thought so to write. Too. But I kind of like the headcanon. She ticks those of, boxes also. Yeah, I kind of like that headcanon of that being Satine. And if they revealed that later, that who, that's who he was talking about, I would love that because that would be a nice mm-hmm. curveball. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, especially if they brought in some of those those Satine story, you know, beats as far as like that loss that he endured um, at Maul's hand, that would be interesting as well. Yeah, and I do have to eat my words a little bit because just earlier I was talking about how these things don't connect to anything other than you know the films, but in reality we got a Grand Inquisitor, and that's straight up. Yeah, and let's get to Wars. that in a second because I'm I got a big question mark about that. Um, but let's quickly let's move. Okay, so Reva, I'll give you gave your thoughts on her. I I like the idea. I like that character in the sense of there's someone on the Inquisitor side who evidently has some sort of past with Obi-Wan or may Mm -hmm. have been, you know, a a Padawan during Order 66. Um, She has has some sort of weird fascination with Vader. She wants to please Vader and, you know, be Mm -hmm. the one that brings in Obi-Wan. I like the mystery of that. I like the idea that there's something there that we're going to find out um, that we're not being given privy. We're not learning about right now fully, but we're going to get that. And that's that's very interesting to me. I do think her um, her anger or her her um, ambition does some come across as petulant at times. Um, mm-hmm. Where the actress she has a very um, innocent look about her, a very almost like a baby face. You know what I'm saying? Very very, and it's like so. Sometimes when they force, and I guess maybe some of the dialogue was forced. Um, to your point, it did feel a little forced. But some of that dialogue didn't come across as evil as I think it should have been to me. It came across mm-hmm. more um, sneering almost at the Grand Inquisitor's um, uh, uh, station, you know, his 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 um, rule or his his leadership. You know, it almost yeah. came across like she was just smiting his little, you know, whatever, you, you know. She even told the other cat, like, maybe you haven't been looking in the right places. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's just like it, was, it just came across kind of weak to me. But it was like, OK, I get what they're trying to do, but it's not coming across as sinister as I think they think it is. 
Um, and maybe they are trying to make her look a little bit more petty, you know, and a little bit more like she's just trying to um, she's putting herself in to a fight that really isn't her own. Maybe this is just all between Kenobi and Vader and she's like putting herself into it when she shouldn't be. I don't know, but that, that kind of threw me off, but I do like the idea of um, her character in the sense of, you know, someone having something personal over on the inquisitor side, you were about to say something. Well, I I mean, I think she's got great presence and Mm -hmm. I am hoping that the dialogue, I don't know, sort of smooths out a little bit. Um, Yeah. It's it's the dialogue. And then some of the action, like when she cut off the woman's hand, (sighs) that just didn't work for me. For one thing, they never should like, so you just cut somebody's hand off. A bunch of people need to run over and help this woman. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we don't ever see her again. You never see, we don't, Did she get nobody else back? moves? You know what I'm saying? Right. What? It was just like, okay, when Luke got his hand cut off, that was a big deal. You know what I'm saying? He screamed. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, it was mm-hmm. like music ramped up. It was just like a big deal. It was like, this woman just gets her hand cut off. And it's like, this, we go right back to the conversation that Reva's having with, Oh, it was just, it was kind of weird to me. Um, and then her conversation with Owen t- again just seemed, you know, do you think you could protect your family from me? And it was just like he didn't even seem scared, you know. He didn't really seem scared to me. Um, so I, I feel like they need to. Hopefully, they'll work that out a little bit in the next couple mm-hmm. episodes. Um, when she was like yelling at, you know, Obi Wan and and Leia as they take off, you know, you can't hide. That didn't work for me, you know. Um, so I, I think that I see what they're going for with her character. I just hope it, it comes, it becomes a little bit more sinister. Um, yeah, I do like that. She's featured though. It, it, did, have you ever seen the Queen's Gambit, the Netflix series? No, I, that's what she's, uh, the actress. That's yeah. What she was nominated yeah. for an Emmy for, for a performance. And she's, I mean, she's quite good. Does she play, um, a quote unquote bad guy in that or no? Okay. No. Right. Yeah. I'll She's somewhat positioned as a sort of kind of not really magical Negro, mm. but it plays. Mm. It works. Okay. That'll be the first for that, for that trope. Um, Leia, you kind of offered thoughts on Leia. I think we both kind of did. I, I definitely like the fact that Leia is featured heavily I mm-hmm. do think whenever you introduce kids into a story, to me, it becomes problematic if you focus too much on the kids because kids are interesting up to a point. But then when you've got a 10 year old consistently outrunning full grown adults, that's why I'm like, Listen, what's going on? The chase scenes are horrible. <laughs> the chase scenes, the chase scenes are were horrible. Why? I mean, little like tree branches, like thin, <laughs> thin tree branches were just completely blocking these people. Come on. It's like this little girl is taking the littlest steps and it's like She's nobody people can catch out. her. You know? <laughs> Obi-Wan yeah. is at full sprint. This is a Jedi. He can't mm-hmm. catch a team. You know, and it was like, she ain't even 10. I think that girl really looks like she's more like six or seven. That's years exactly old. what you said. <laughs> yeah, she does not look like a 10 year old. Um, yeah. I liked her as far as like, I thought she was, you know, she, she has presence, you know, that little, the little mm-hmm. the actress has presence, but mm-hmm. it was like, let's stop, let's stop with her outrunning people. And then the whole, you know, when she jumps off the roof and then Obi-Wan has to use the force, everybody saw that coming a mile away. You know, you knew right. that was going to happen. As soon as right. they hit them, the rooftops, you knew that was going to happen. And, and Obi-Wan got, got down from that building real quick. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> Did he jump? <laughs> probably you know, not. Probably not. Took the stairs. <laughs> Um, but I like, I do like the fact that again, that they're focusing on Leia as opposed mm-hmm. to Luke, because that was a nice little, um, fake out. Um, Owen, what we, I gave my thoughts on Owen. You, you really like Owen as well. I like Owen. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any, I don't have any problems with Owen. I hope you see, uh, Baru. Um, yeah, let's give Baru some time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We really only got the blue milk scene and then the death scene and that's it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so let's get. And really, wasn't even the death scene. We just, we just, you know, presume that one of those two skeletons, <laughs> right? Well, Maybe Brew lived. Maybe she's out there. <laughs> she's gonna show up in Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, so listen, let's talk about the Grand Inquisitor real, real quick, though, because in Rebels we meet the Grand Inquisitor. So, is this the same Grand Inquisitor? Because this cat looks different than the Grand Inquisitor that we have in Rebels visually. Um, yeah. But that was like no big deal because a lot of people look different from their animated versions versus mm-hmm. their live action versions. Mm-hmm. But when Reva puts a lightsaber on dude's stomach, I'm like, oh, is this a different dude? Yeah. Or is this cat going to live? What do you think? Right. Right. Now, viewers can't see me, but I got my arms up. <laughs> right. Like, Classic. Because I'm Arturo, like, wait a minute. Shoulder, sh- Arthur Shrug. You take this guy out now? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this guy, this guy gets taken out. Um, yeah, because that's just sort of like Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, falling off a ledge in. The well, not that level, prototype. but I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying it's like you got this guy. But do you but, think but, it's a different dude? Do you think? No, nah, I think, think it's the same guy. You think it's the same think guy? The so same they guy. Rec- they're think... retconning, they're retconning rebels, or is he he going to live? Because I think he's he shows live. up in rebels. I think he's going to live. Yeah, and I think it's I, I think it's Kanan that kills him in Rebels. Yeah, I don't know how, but I, I one I think it's the same guy. Two, mm-hmm. I think he's going to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and three, he was right. You know, Reva was he like, was right, and he should have seen that coming. He should have seen the lightsaber to the stomach coming a long time ago. It's like he should have seen that coming. He was right in that Reva was going to lose him. Look, I need to step aside, watch how it's done, because I'm worried that you're going to lose him. No, I'm going to lose him. Stab him. <laughs> what happens? She loses him, and right, she loses him. Right. What do you think about the Inquisitors overall, though? Because my, you know, to me, they're lightweight. They're real lightweight to me. They are real you lightweight. Remember in Rebels when Ahsoka shows up and handles two of them at the same time? You know, and it's like. They, you know, they were presented as these very scary individuals, you know, when they was just going up against Kanan and, and uh, Ezra. But when you come up against like the likes of Ahsoka or, you know, Obi-Wan, it's like I, these these cats are lightweight to me. Yeah. But but, you know, even the Grand Inquisitor says this is this is no ordinary Jedi. This ain't just a run of the mill dude right. that we strung up back on Tatooine. Right. This is real, real right. Holyfield. <laughs> That dude was terrible, man. I'm I'm sorry that not, was named Nari. I'm sorry he had to come to that fate. But that whole diner scene when he just like he stops the knife and then he's like, I forgot what the line he delivers, but it was like really weakly said to the Inquisitors. I forgot what he said. Like you can't you can't stop. I forgot what he said, but it was like Ugh, that was whack. Yeah, um, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm trying. You can't stop the force or something, and then and then stops them <laughs> by just dropping you down. You can't stop the force. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah, stop the they force. Just kinda, that would be hilarious. But you know, I mean, you make an interesting point when um, uh, I don't know if you're making it as a point or you're just declaring it. But yeah, the Inquisitors—they were either former Jedi or they were. Padawans, but but the presumption is that they're not like necessarily trained, like right. They aren't the Inquisitor. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of weird and inconsistent because it's like the Inquisitor early on episode one stops Reva with the Force, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't have to like raise his hand like he he did. He did have his hand because he he oh he did that yeah because he moved her lightsaber away. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Okay. no, no, he he held it. He he prevented her from going. Right, he did that, but the then, then he went like this and. Oh, and that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but but saying that to say, um, 
what is it, Brother Five? He may not have juice <laughs> like that. Fifth brother, he brother may, five. Yeah, fifth brother. Thank Soul you. Brother five, he may not yeah. have. He may not have that kind of juice. And you know, it, it was there. There were some inconsistencies with with the behavior. It's like sometimes fifth brother is aggressive. You know, he puts home girl up against the wall. You know, mm-hmm. you got ambition. You know, you wild and reckless. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but later it's like you know he can't get past this awning that Nari walks. Drops down with force right. to get him or something. Right. It's just I think yeah, yeah the chase scenes in general. I think we need to we need to focus on how we're going to handle those because yeah the chase scenes, all the chase scenes. It was just like even in part two we're seeing Riva do the like the force parkour like on the roof like yeah. she's going and it really kind of led to nothing because I, I thought she was going to like land on the roof with Obi Wan and you know boom now they're going to have to go at it. She did like, I mean, it kept cutting to her, like crossing these rooftops and it just got her like to, I guess, ground level when she faces, um, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Estri and has to, or, uh, you know, Haja, 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 Nanjani's character. Right. Right. She faces him. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I was like, what was all that parkour for? It was, you know, weird. Yeah. And then she takes the time to go through Haja's BS. You know, you're not a right. Jedi. What right. are you doing? Now, she'd have been killed, dude. She'd have just yeah. decapitated him and kept him moving. <laughs> and leaves him alive. We're with... going to see him again because she leaves him alive. Yeah. Um, weird. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think my, you know, just to finish it off, I think my thoughts for these, the first two episodes, again, I liked part part one um, mm-hmm. was my favorite more than part two. But I think that if they can tighten up some of these things that we've, you know, some of the things we pointed out, I think we're in for a really, really good ride on the next four episodes. I do think, um, I'm, you know, the rate, the Vader reveal, I thought was interesting. I, I, I do think I, I would have preferred to see him as Vader. I just kind of like the whole back to tank thing. I'm kind of, you know, it's, I'm kind of, it's kind of played out to me. It's like, all right, we know he's in the back to tank. Um, you know, the breathing, it's like, yes, we got it. The hardcore breathing Vader, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely like, I really like the, again, the callback to Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I just, you know, I'm really looking forward to him and Obi-Wan not only going at it, um, in a lightsaber fight, I just want to see them, the, the, the conversation, you know, that Obi-Wan is going to have with Anakin. Cause you know, again, one of my favorite star Wars moments is the conversation between Anakin and Anakin slash Darth Vader and, um, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka. It really wasn't a conversation, mm-hmm. but it was just a moment when she understands who Vader is and, you know, and he says her name as Anakin, you know, he calls her name. And I just, that messed me up. And I think that that's that type of emotion. I'm looking for that, for the conversation that, you know, Anakin is going to have with Obi-Wan, especially playing off the back of Obi-Wan yelling, you know, I loved you. You were my brother, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. let's, let's see where that goes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. What are your, to finish this off though, what are your predictions for the remainder of the season? Do you have any predictions um, that aren't kind of like the obvious kind of like ones where you we all kind of are looking for? Do you have any predictions? I'm going to make a one risky prediction, but I, I, I really do believe this. I do not believe that we're going to see a lightsaber battle between Vader and Obi Wan. Oh, that's dude. That's not risk. That's <laughs> that's blasphemy, Arthur. How, how dare you, sir? How dare I you? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't see that. I don't believe that we're going to see that. Um, Why? Why don't you believe that? 
in part and how because would, how would they how would they withstand the revolt that would happen? You know, because you know these Star Wars fans are half out their minds anyway. You know, so if that doesn't happen, <laughs> right. it's going to be ugly. Right? But, all right, so, right. So why do you think that's not going to happen? Well, I think it's not going to happen because looking at the motive of Vader, like why does Vader want to find Obi Wan? Mm. Does he want to find him to kill him? Does he want to find him to convert him? Why does he want to find Obi-Wan? And exactly how many layers, this is going to sound kind of funny because Reva's after him specifically to take him to Vader. But I'm just saying, like, how many layers does Obi-Wan have to get through? He got to get captured. He got to be brought to Vader. He got to be tied up. He got to be freed somehow. He got to find his lightsaber that presumably has been taken from him. He got to get through about 80 people and then he can get to Vader. I don't Mm. think we can do that in four episodes. Mm. Maybe we can do that in season two of Kenobi, but Mm. I don't think that we can get to that in four episodes. Mm. Probably not going to be a season two, but that's a bold prediction, man. If that happens, I will have to do a special episode anointing you like King of Predictions or something. Because that's nobody. I've I, you know I've never seen anyone on Twitter or YouTube predict that. I think everybody is just anticipating this fight, and the only kind of like question is going to be how okay, how does that align to what you know Vader says to Obi Wan in Star Wars? You know, last we met, you know, you were the master and I was the pupil, which indicates that if they do face each other in this Kenobi series, Kenobi is going to win again, um, Mm -hmm. similar to the way he won the first fight. So yeah, as far as Vader's motivations, I do think he wants to avenge he, his hatred, you know, for Obi-Wan, I think is centered to his Sithdom. You know what I'm saying? I think he's, Mm -hmm. he has to hold on to that hatred to against Obi-Wan in order to remain a Sith, you know, to keep those positive Jedi things out of his mind. He has to hold on to that hatred. So, and I think that's centered on Obi-Wan. And honestly, man, doesn't the Emperor want Kenobi? Absolutely, because the Emperor you know would want Kenobi because of Kenobi being as, as such a powerful Jedi. You know, he would want Kenobi and Yoda um, to make sure that the Jedi don't even, that he can stop the Jedi completely out. He knows as yeah. long as they're out there, there's a chance. that. Um, and then, of course, if he finds out about Luke and Leia, that's even a greater threat. Um but yeah, I, I think I, I think we are definitely gonna get that fight. I, my mm-hmm. my prediction, I'll just say, is not a is nowhere near um, as bold as yours. But I do think one, I definitely think we're gonna see Liam Neeson as Qui Gon. I think that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. though, I think we're gonna get a Yoda um, cameo. I think Yoda's gonna show up at some point, and maybe even Ahsoka. We may even get an Ahsoka because we see Ahsoka in Rebels. I don't yeah. remember in Rebels if what she says or if she says anything about Obi-Wan or what she made, I I can't remember, but I do think they could, um, Rosario Dawson, they could, you know, quote unquote, they don't have to de-age her. They could just, you know, do her makeup a little differently and, you know, whatever, and make her look, you know, uh, maybe 10 years, 15 years Mm -hmm. younger than she is. And then we see her in Mandalorian. Um, but I could see her showing up in this series. Um, Mm -hmm. so that, to me, it's going to be what is, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this ramps up into episode six. Because, um, you know, in terms of what is going to be the big climax, you know, we know we can anticipate this fight between, uh, well, most of us can anticipate this fight between Vader and, and Obi-Wan. But what is the big, you know, climactic thing that's going to bring them together? I don't know. In this episode of episode or part two, um, Haja says to him, you know, go to these coordinates. So there's people that can help you. 
you know, there's right. people out there. Who are these people? You know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, what, where, where are Obi-Wan and Leia headed to? Um, mm-hmm. That's interesting. So I, I am looking forward to, you know, next week's episode to, to answer because we'll be at the midway point of the series next week. So we'll see. All right. I'm going to call this a full lid. We are in the shadow of Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 3, the Disney Plus streaming series. This is Arthur. That is Isaac. Reach out to us with your thoughts on Twitter. Make sure to hashtag your comment, hashtag MadUnreal, M-A-D-U-N-R-E-A-L. See you next show. Peace. Keep it unreal. (laughs) 